and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of Commissioners for HMRC and NHS Lothian Health Board. The citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 28. And this week we are looking at another tax case about VAT. We talked about this recently and in particular discussed the concept of input VAT, which is relevant to these proceedings as well. As a reminder, this is simply the VAT that is incurred by a taxpayer when they buy supplies in order to carry out a business activity. The taxpayer in this case is NHS Lothian. And the first thing you might be wondering is why an NHS health board is even paying tax in the first place, given that the NHS is a public service. Well, for the most part, that is true, but NHS Lothian operated a number of scientific labs that also did private work. That work was a business activity, and so input VAT was recoverable from HMRC. The problem was that NHS Lothian had not been claiming that input VAT, and so they just put in a massive claim for the period 1974 to 1997 under Section 121 of the Finance Act 2008. A further issue was that NHS Lothian had not kept good records, and did not really know how much input VAT had been paid for work done in the labs, or what the split was between private and NHS work in that time. Instead, the Health Board valued its claim by looking at the total amount of VAT that had been incurred, and then using the percentage of business activity for the year 2006 to 2007. To put it another way, the percentage of private work done by the labs in 2006 to 2007 was 14.7%. That percentage was then extrapolated over the entire claim period and gave the health board a figure from 1974 through to 1997. That claim was rejected by HMRC because that method of calculation was deemed not to be reasonable. NHS Lothian appealed and while they were unsuccessful in the lower courts, their appeal was upheld in the inner house of the Court of Session. HMRC then appealed to the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick this up. One of the first issues that the justices had to deal with was the interpretation of the facts by the inner house. Despite what the inner house had said, the first-tier tribunal did not find that the proportion of business and non-business activity was essentially the same across the claim period. Instead, they said that there was not really enough evidence to say what the proportion was or whether it had changed over the years. Furthermore, in terms of the law, the inner house was also wrong to make a distinction between the right to deduct input VAT and the obligation on the taxpayer to properly quantify the amount of VAT that they can recover. A vague amount is not sufficient and proper proof is needed before a deduction can be made. This proof is often in the form of invoices from suppliers, and while the UK does offer alternative methods, the method used by the taxpayer must at least be credible and able to estimate the correct amount with a reasonable degree of certainty. The other issue that came up was to do with EU law, because VAT is a European creation, and at the time of the claim the UK had not left the EU. In particular, the arguments in these proceedings raise the EU principle of effectiveness, which basically requires member states to ensure that claims based on directly effective EU law are easy to enforce. 
To put it another way, the Health Board argued that HMRC, the UK and the courts have an obligation to ensure that they, as a taxpayer, can enforce their right to make VAT deductions. However, the justices pointed out that this principle of effectiveness does not mean that the ordinary rules of evidence and proof simply go out the window. NHS Lothian still had to prove their claim on the balance of probabilities, and that is not any sort of unjustifiable hurdle that prohibits the effectiveness of EU law. It shouldn't be up to HMRC or the courts to act as forensic accountants for a taxpayer to work out what is owed. Either the claim is made out or it isn't, and in this case it was not. Overall, I think that this is a pretty easy decision to agree with. NHS Lothian were trying their luck with this historic claim, and the method they were using to work out input VAT was, at best, a very rough estimate. I'm not sure why the inner house of the Court of Session got this one so wrong, but there was clearly some confusion about the facts. The judgment in this case is also a useful reminder about the EU law principle of effectiveness, which many Brexiteers with a grasp of the law will have been opposed to. You can see how this could be interpreted as overreaching, as it places an additional obligation on states to not only give people certain rights, but to also make those rights enforceable. That right is basically out of the window now. Part of the aim is to ensure that there is not discrimination between EU and domestic law, but that is no longer relevant. And I think that this is a real loss. An article last year by Maria Elvira Mendez Pinedo pointed out that the principle has been used by the Court of Justice to limit state power and to enforce individual rights. This is why Brexit has been so popular in Westminster. Bringing rights home is not about giving you or anyone else more rights or more effective rights. It is about giving control of those rights to politicians. It is baffling to see some on the right of centre who profess to be economically or socially liberal be so in favour of Brexit when it is not about greater freedom for the individual, but instead a greater concentration of power in the hands of the executive. Now, if your rights under the law cannot be effectively enforced, then it is just tough luck. Don't think judicial review is going to help you because that is becoming more restricted by the government. And don't think that the new Bill of Rights will help you either because that is more interested in clamping down on the rights of migrants instead of assisting a justice system that has long suffered from chronic underfunding. Well, thanks for listening to this episode and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. A special thanks this week to those of you who responded to my call for more reviews of the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. CYHB3-5 left a five-star review and said, a very informative and interesting podcast. I'm a law grad and it's perfect for sustaining my engagement with cases. Meanwhile, Contracted Crime also left a five-star review and said, I love this podcast. As a level two law student, I learn a lot from the way Marcus analyzes the cases. I'm making good progress because I've disagreed with his conclusions on one or two episodes. Thanks very much to both of you and I am Actually, really glad that Contractor Crime disagrees with my conclusions in a number of cases. When it gets to the end of the episode and I give my own comment or thoughts on the decision, it is not meant to be with the idea that I am right and the judges or whoever else is wrong. I just give my own interpretation as a way to provoke more thoughts amongst you at home, else I think this would probably be quite a dry podcast. 
Indeed, many of you might disagree with my conclusion in this episode about the principle of effectiveness. If you are ever so moved as to disagree and want to share your own views, then you can also drop me an email at contact at uklawweekly.com. That's contact at uklawweekly.com. And I might read those out on future episodes as well. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week. But for now, bye!